Well, hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. As you can see, I'm coming to you live from the floor of NRB. We are here at the National Religious Broadcasters Association talking to people about the Heidi St. John podcast and getting some fantastic interviews. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Pastor Lucas Miles. He is the author of a book that I am a super fan of called Woke Jesus. When that book came out, I talked about it here at the show. Very few pastors have had the courage to tackle progressive Christianity, call it out, and talk about why we need to be grounded in the doctrine that comes from the Bible. This is going to be a great conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I'm glad to have Lucas Miles here with me on the floor of NRB, and we're going to be talking about his book, Woke Jesus, and what is progressive Christianity. You guys familiar with this? I talk about it all the time on my show, but I'm thrilled to have Miles here. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is an honor for me. You've been at the front of this discussion now for quite some time, and I come from the Pacific Northwest, so I don't know how often you get out to the Portland, Vancouver area. Not very often. But you know of what I speak. 100%. (laughs) So the, so the, you can go into into downtown Portland on any given day, any given Sunday, and you're going to see 15 churches flying the transgender flag out in front of their churches. Uh, I just spoke at a Calvary Chapel up in Longview, Washington recently about the state of education in the United States, particularly in Washington state. And wouldn't you know it, there was a UCC minister out there with a bubble machine. It was amazing. And about 15 transgender activists yelling and screaming about how this wasn't Christianity. This is the message that is coming out of the progressive church. I'm going to play a clip from Salvatore uh, Sapienza, who is a pastor of the UCC church, of course, uh, in Douglas County, Michigan. He's married to his husband, Greg Smith. So you kind of know where this is going to go. I want to play it and sort of get your reaction. Okay. Born again. What is it? about John 3.16 that evangelical Christians love so much? Why is it their favorite, favorite Bible verse that they want to tell everybody about? Well, I'd like to think it's the first six words that say, for God so loved the world. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was the message they wanted everybody to hear and everybody to know? that God loves you so much. But sadly, I believe it's the latter part of the verse that they want to emphasize and make clear that Jesus is the only way that leads to salvation. All right. So there you go. Do you love that clip? Uh, Yeah, it's interesting for sure. It's interesting. So look, I mean, he almost is making the point for me. he's, He's reading the whole verse. And yes, for, you know, because God loved the world, that he did give his son. He did offer up his son, Christ, who is God in the flesh. Obviously, they were, uh, they were in tandem in the Trinity, you know, in this act of redeeming mankind and, and you know, being a victor over sin and death. And, and it's, it's amazing that people would try to separate that. And so there isn't a separation. It's not that there are, I'm sure there's, you know, maybe, you know, fire and brimstone Christians out there that, that have no concept of God's love, grace, and mercy. Well, and honestly, you're making a good point because that's part of how we got here. Yes. Let's be honest about it. Because 100%. I went to Bible college in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. I went to Multnomah School of the Bible back when it was a Bible school. Yes. Uh, back in the 80s. And I remember, I mean, there was a guy who was running for, uh, running for uh, president of the student body, right, who ends up sleeping with his girlfriend. And 
people sort of were like, oh, that's not good. But the guy who said, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction, man, that guy's going to get booted, right? And so we really did have an overreaction. We started saying, hey, this sin is worse than that sin. And I think that's part of how we got here in the first place. In some regards, this progressive... heretical version of Christianity is a reaction to that. Yeah. yeah and th- this is this is sort of a phenomenon within philosophy and theology in general, that you always have this pendulum swing from one thing to the other. Yep. And it's very difficult to stay kind of in center and balance on that because there's always this, this polarization, these poles in either direction. And so the, the Bible teaches us that Jesus came in grace and truth. It says yes. the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I always tell people, if you elevate a concept of grace over truth, you'll become a progressive. It's that bleeding heart. It's that empathetic side of that. If you elevate a concept of truth over grace, you become a bigot. You become that judgmental fire and brimstone. Jesus came with both. And so uh, this is one way that we see whether or not we're in error is we look to see are both grace and truth being presented Mm -hmm. in this message and being presented. What this individual is suggesting is that we cut out the truth side of John 3.16 to only preach this, you know, God's love. The Bible makes it very clear that although we're all created in the image of God, that we only become a child of God through adoption into Christ through by grace through faith. And so, you know, this, this is a this is really a um, distortion of the message. Obviously, this is a heretical teacher. Uh, I, I have a pretty wide view of orthodoxy. I, I'm, I'm very uh, accepting of a lot of different denominational positions on secondary issues. Yes. But but primary issues are not negotiable. Right. Salvation being the primary issue. hundred percent. You yeah. know, lordship of Jesus, the Trinity, heaven and hell, uh, re- redemption from, you know, uh, uh, a depravity, all of these sorts so of I things. So I take it you're not you're not hanging out with Andy Stanley on the weekends? I haven't gotten the invite yet. <laughs> I haven't gotten the invite. And look, Stanley Stanley's an example of somebody who has... You know, very. Uh, um, uh, uh, he's been very successful in the church. He's obviously sure. had a lot of really uh, impactful teachings on all sorts of people. But but I think he's drifted, and and so I'm not going to you know I'm not going to question his salvation. I don't think that's my job to do. And there's a spectrum within progressive Christianity. It's not that everybody is a radical. Not everybody's Mayor Pete and a radical you know Marxist you know agitator or something like that. We have individuals like Stanley or Beth Moore or Russell Moore that are that are kind of, you know, they're, they, they've been dancing on the edges of this yes. for a while. And what yeah. they're starting to see that some of these guys are starting to drift over more into this. Uh, I, I communicate that that orthodoxy, this idea of right teaching is a lot like uh, what you would see, like a buoy that floats on the surface of a lake or an ocean. And so as the, the tide and the current comes, it, it's able to sort of float in this circle because it's fixed in, in at a rooted position on the bedrock. It's got some sort of, you know, millstone or something, you know, mounting it to the ground. And so it has this chain that goes up. Well, if you pull on that long enough, you in theory could break that cabling or that chain and just begin drifting out. As long as you're still attached to the source, which is Christ himself or the word of God, then, then I believe that salvation is available for somebody. But when they start pulling against this, I, I start really becoming concerned for them when they get around away from these primary teachings and they disconnect themselves from the word of God. And we're seeing this more and more, not just with these radical you know, churches like, you know, the, uh, like the clip that you played, but even with some formerly mainstream individuals who are now you know, really teaching and promoting a strange doctrine. Well, and you're watching this sort of uh, rise of social justice, which has come into the church now. And so you can go to a church website, and I'm always, you know, if they've got a page on social justice that's dedicated to that, yeah. I'm typically going to run for the hills. Explain to our listeners what progressive Christianity is and why it's so important that we learn to be discerning. Yeah, I think in today's world, progressive Christianity is sort of this amalgamation of the Christian faith with some sort of what I would call a theological hitchhiker. So, uh, and and each version of it has has different things that they've attached to. There's sort of a Marxist strand of this. 
There's a strand that uh, also impacted by Marxism, but it's more uh, based about sexuality and gender. So we see that critical queer theory that sort of attached yeah. itself to the yeah. Christian faith. Uh, we see, you know, critical race theory in certain segments where they would have a biblical view of marriage, but they hold to more of that social justice, critical theory, you know, version in regards to race and, and, and ethnicity and these things. And so, you know, it, 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 progressive Christianity is a moving target to some degree that has allowed some other strange ideology to morph itself with Christianity and created these half-truths that are leading people astray. And oftentimes, what I, what I present in my book, Woke Jesus, is, and this is one of the surprising, I think, things for people, we hear this term Christian nationalism all the time. I actually present that the Christian left are the true Christian nationalists because the, the Christian left has bowed their, agenda, their knee to the agenda of the state. They, they have the, there's no difference between the Biden administration's view of marriage, sexuality, et cetera, than, say, the pastor clip that you played earlier. Right. He has the exact same view. And so if you want to know what Christian nationalism actually looks like, it's when a Christian lets go of biblical orthodoxy and starts worshiping the agenda of the state. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now with the left. Boy, you're so right. I did an entire uh, show on Christian nationalism because we're watching them try to throw this rope around the neck of people who love the country yeah. and follow Jesus and say, well, that's Christian nationalism. I'm like, no, Christian nationalism could be taken back to somebody like Adolf Hitler, who really was in many regards who he regarded himself as a yeah. Christian and obviously the ultimate uh, nationalist. If the, the, the regular person who doesn't watch the news all the time, you and I are probably immersed in the news and yeah. kind of seeing what's happening in culture, but they're trying to pick a church. They're trying to figure out, okay, where do I find a church that is still moored to the gospel, right? That they're not pulling on that, uh, on that cable, as you so rightly pointed out, because the devil doesn't care what ditch he knocks you into so yeah. long as you're in a ditch. Yeah, 100%. So you could be in, in a ditch over here or a ditch over there. It doesn't matter. And it, it's becoming more and more confusing for young families in particular who are trying to find places to raise their children, how does someone find a good church? What are some of the things they should be looking for right now? So yeah, we, we've actually built a website called AmericanPastorProject.org. And what we're asking is for pastors to go there or Christian content creators, anybody that handles church doctrine, that they can go there and they can sign a statement of biblical orthodoxy, a commitment to that, and also a commitment to eradicate wokeism from the pulpit. So what I tell people a lot of times is take your pastor or, or suggest this to a pastor of a church you're attending to go check this out. See if they're willing to sign it. If they're not, it's a great litmus test on whether or not you're in a woke church. And we have a locator there that, uh, and you know, this just launched this year, so it's just getting really going, but we've got a lot of momentum building with it. And so you can find churches near you with the locator and kind of use that to find other pastors across all denominations that have signed this. So we have Catholics that are signing this, and we have, you know, Presbyterians and Charismatics, all sorts of people that are signing this in order to commit to biblical orthodoxy and stand against wokeism. And so I think on a, you know, outside of that, you want to know, uh, did, did, the church, did your church celebrate the, the overturning of Roe? Right. Uh, was that, you know, we had a standing ovation in our church we that week, too. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and the, um, you know, what is your church talking about? Uh, uh, are they obsessed with race? Are they obsessed with separating people based upon skin color or ethnicity? Uh, that's a, that's a concern. That's a red flag. Are they talking about, uh, you know, white guilt and that, that, you know, you have to, you know, you know, bow down and repent for these things. Uh, uh you know, it, it, these are all markers for this. And so you want to know where do they stand on, on pro-life issues? Where do they stand on race issues? Where do they stand on, on, uh, I think even. Uh, uh, what ultimately what this comes down to is, is the Bible the word of God? I was just going to say, it's an authority yeah, issue, right? 100%. It's an authority of scripture issue. And we want to find out, do you or don't you believe in the infallibility of scripture and the authority of scripture? You know, I, I just partnered with George Barna on a book um, uh, called Helping Millennials Thrive. So I, I had a chapter contribution to that. Sam Rodriguez, a whole bunch of us were in there. 
And, and one of the things that, you know, we see Barna's research address is, and I, I think the stat's even worse than this now, but it's, it's less than 24% of, of American churchgoers hold to the position that the Bible is the inerrant authoritative word of God. So this means, this isn't Terrifying. just Christian, this isn't just Americans yeah. in general, this is within the church. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're sitting in a church in America, 76% of the people around you probably believe the Bible is something less than the word of God. And the stats on pastors aren't much better. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think youth pastors are the worst in that yeah. uh, of the statistics, but uh, uh, you know it, it's bad even with senior pastors. And so you really have to know where your pastor stands on this. I'm a strong believer the Bible is the inerrant, authoritative word of God. We might have differences of, uh, of opinion on secondary ideas. We can debate once saved, always saved versus losing your salvation. We can debate gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can, you know, today. You can debate the rapture and the 100%. tribulation. Right. 100%. Right. But there are primary issues that are uh, have been part of Christian doctrine for 2,000 years that the church has never really been divided on, and these things are non-negotiables. We can't, it's not a choose-your-own-adventure story like when we were kids that you could flip right. through and decide where you want to go. I miss those days. Yeah, the Bible, the Bible was, uh, you know, uh, it, is, it is truth that is defined by God himself because he is truth, and so we don't have the choice of, of twisting that and, and maligning that in any way that we want to, and so I think that that's a major thing that you really need to know where your pastor stands on. Yeah, I agree. I want to talk briefly about your book, Woke Jesus, because long before I had the opportunity to meet you, I'm a super fan, right? I read the book, ordered it, talked about it, did a review about it on my show. Why would you jump into the cultural water? And why is this such an important topic for Christians? You know, we've been told now our whole lives, at least I have been, and I'm in my 50s, that there's two things that we never talk about around the dinner table, especially at dinner parties or at Thanksgiving. And th those two things are uh, religion yeah. and politics. And dang, if you didn't just jump into both of them uh, <laughs> with, with both feet. I believe, and I'd, I'd love to get your take on this because I think it goes to what you're talking about in Woke Jesus. I think we have moved away from the gospel and to a sort of gospel or position yeah. in the culture. It's no longer the gospel and politics. It's the gospel or politics. Mm -hmm. So why did you write woke Jesus and jump into this thing? And do you think it's important that we get back to a gospel and position? Yeah, I, I you know, first off, I guess why I wrote this. Um, in 2014, 2015, we started getting a bit more vocal about about cultural issues within our ministry. I've been a senior pastor now for uh, almost 20 years. And you're in at, Indiana? At the same church, yeah, South Bend, Indiana. So we're a super majority red state. Um, but our county has been a Democratic stronghold. Say, South Bend ain't, ain't part of that redness. Yeah, no, we, we've been Democratic <laughs> stronghold for about 60 years now. A lot of people might know Mayor Pete Buttigieg, yep. or at least that name. Good old Mayor Pete. Yeah, and so I started seeing uh, Pete locally, and, and I don't want to give him all the credit for my for my book here, but I started seeing him locally and his influence in some of our churches in this area, in our area. And I started seeing this evolution within the church in, in, in South Bend. And so that began to be a concerning thing for me. I started addressing that more and more. Um, in 2015, leading into 2016 election, we lost about 40% of our church. Whoa. And I didn't have a red hat. I didn't endorse a candidate from the stage. You were an ultra MAGA? I, I, Come all, on. All I did was I did a series on all these hot button cultural issues. And I started lining up of what does scripture have to say about this? And over a series of about eight weeks, we lost 40% of our church Get leading up the election. Of, was that yes. shocking to you? It, it was shocking to me. I think that, uh, you know, we had a lot of people that loved us. And again, they, they liked that we talked about the grace of God. They liked that we talked about the love of God, which we haven't stopped talking about those things. Right. I still... Still the, in the Bible. I, without the love of God, without the grace of God, I'm not here. That's right. And, and, and uh, but we, we started saying, look, and, and I think that what happened is because culture changed. And so the gospel is the gospel. It doesn't, it doesn't change. But maybe the aspects, aspects of the gospel that we focus on a particular time in history 
might change their focus a little bit based upon what's going on around us. We came out of an age of legalism. When I was growing up, it was that age of legalism that we saw that was so, you know, a That's what I was talking yes. about at the, yeah, at the 100%. Top. And so, so I started, you know, we really built our church talking about the grace of God, trying to help break Christians out of a legalistic framework in order yeah. to understand God's love and grace. But, but as we saw culture start shifting to this, you know, probably what theologically would be called licentiousness, yeah. this lawlessness that was I- existing, we had to start, you know, addressing other concerns on the other side. And the right. church is always kind of course correcting and navigating that way, much like maybe flying an airplane or something that you're, you know, just these little micro, you know, changes in navigation. And so um, that, that kind of got us into the fight. And once I realized that, and, and here's the cool thing is like when COVID happened or, or, you know, the events of George Floyd and the BLM riot, uprising, all this there was no fear in us anymore. We'd already lost our finances at Come one on. time. We'd lost 40% of our people. We didn't care anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so we just, it just allowed us to really get emboldened and, and, and stand up for these issues and really, you know, preach the Bible unashamed, uh, uh, you know, unashamedly to, to, to ensure that people hear the true gospel. And so um, out of that came my last book, The Christian Left, um, which was, uh, I actually went on a cruise. I was going to write a book about influence and and ended up coming out the Christian left. I read an article on the plane <laughs> on the way down, and I, I, I felt like Mark Twain sitting on a balcony in a cruise boat. I wrote the first two <laughs> chapters. And uh, I didn't know, I knew it was important, I knew it was relevant, but I didn't know it'd be as important as it was. And so that after I was doing a book tour for that, I saw that there was still need to understand more about these issues. And so uh, I start the book, uh, Woke Jesus, I talk about the, the church father Irenaeus, and he explained that that in order uh, that the, the, the first century church could have defeated Gnosticism, but because they didn't understand it fully, they struggled with it. Right. And I believe the same issues today. We don't understand critical theory fully. Yep. We don't understand the transgender issue fully. We don't understand, uh, uh, you know, the race issue fully. And so until we really wrap our minds around that, the church is going to struggle. And so I, I wrote Woke Jesus. If I could say this humbly, I wanted it to be the definitive work on wokeism, how it's affected the church, its history, all the implications. And then ultimately compare that with how does that line up with scripture? And I think it ends on a very positive note on, on discovering the biblical Christ and, and really where do we go from here? Yeah, I agree. It's a fantastic read. And I'm thrilled to see what God's doing with your ministry. You're working with the Epic Times now too, aren't yeah, you? So just did a show, uh, first season on, on, on Epic uh, called Church and State with Lucas Miles. So uh, received very well. We did 12, 12 episodes. They're very evergreen. So it's not necessarily like you know, weekly news. It's more topically uh, right. based. And so uh, we have churches using those for small groups and life groups and these things going through the material. It's about 30 minute episodes and you can have some great discussion afterwards. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me here. Where can people find you online? Yeah, if they want to grab the book, they can get it uh, wherever books are sold, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, ChristianBooks.com. Uh, also, they can head over to LucasMiles.org and I sign every copy that gets ordered from our warehouse. And uh, uh, always good to connect with people. I'm easy to find on social media as well. I love it. Lucas Miles, it's truly a joy to have you here. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for having me on. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am fired up just talking to Lucas. I hope you guys are going to follow him online. And be sure to check his book out. I've got it in my hands right here. It's called Woke Jesus. You guys are going to love this. It's uh, it's relatable. It's analytical. And it's going to give you a very good understanding of where we came from how progressive Christianity took so much oxygen out of the true version of the faith. And as Lucas said, and I agree with him, there are lots of areas in our faith where we can disagree. We have freedom to disagree. Issues of salvation, issues that are that are absolutely central to our belief as Christians, such as salvation, sin, whether or not there's hell, that kind of thing. Uh, there are issues that we absolutely need to agree on, issues of freedom. He addresses it beautifully in the book, Woke Jesus. I hope you guys will check it out. And 
I hope you're really enjoying this series from the floor of the National Religious Broadcasters Association. Thank you guys so much for listening and for your support of this podcast. And I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.